0: And the game is over! The game is over! The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions! Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you! Let the celebration begin! Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 302. KB and Matt coming at you live from Underground Studios. As always, show would not be possible without our incredible local sponsors: Main Auto LLC, Ducharme's Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And guys, you see me wearing them every single time. We're live here on Twitch. Every single podcast we record here on this network, our friends at Tomahawk Shades doing the damn thing, protecting the only set of eyes that you will get in this lifetime. That's why you got to protect them whenever you're staring at screens so your eyes aren't strained. You don't, you know, start getting that blurred vision. And when you're outside, you got to protect yourself from the UV rays as well. And that's why they've got the sunglasses, the Blue Light Plus glasses, and a whole bunch of things in between those two amazing products that I use on the daily. Tomahawk Shades was started because two brothers on Long Island didn't want to have to pay an arm and a leg for, you know, those big time name brand sunglasses. So they did it on their own and now you get the same quality for a fraction of the price. And if you head over to TomahawkShades.com right now, fill up your cart with everything that they have on their site. And when you go to check out, use our promo code USP to save 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's promo code USP at TomahawkShades.com for 25% off your entire order. And right now, for a limited time, free domestic shipping on all orders. Matt, I I can't believe it's almost here, but it's almost Big Game Sunday, and I don't know about you, but, you know, it's time to get your balls feeling super, and that's why our partners at Manscaped are here to tell you to join the already 2 million men who trust Manscaped products for their below-the-waist and now above-the-waist grooming needs as well. You know, Gronk's playing in the big game. He's a Manscaped athlete. Take his advice and shave your Super Balls with the best tools to reduce nicks and cuts before the best game and choose the Manscaped pa- Perfect Package 3.0. Included is the Lawnmower 3.0, which is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. And because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced, so you're not settling for unnecessary roughness below the waist. It also has waterproof technology and has a 90-minute battery, And believe us when we tell you that this is the champion of ball trimmers. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your nuts in the game all four quarters. And the Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. And it's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost in clutch time. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your boxer game to the next level. Complete your top-to-bottom grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped that is made with the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas. So this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. It's a whole new balls game this Sunday, So get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at Manscaped.com. Your Super Bowls will thank you. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code USP. Tackle your pubes and win the big game in your pants with Manscaped. you know, Sunday coming up, you got to have the best drinks on tap. And that's where our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka come into play. They're the fastest growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania. They're headquartered in old Kensington, Philadelphia. And, you know, when things get back to normal, we'll probably be watching a couple Super Bowls over at Stateside. But they're currently closed due to COVID. But they have a full bar, restaurants, and they offer distillery tours weekly. They also distill their vodka one time for each day of the week. That's right, this bad boy's distilled seven times. It's certified gluten free and it's blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition on the same spectrum of electrolytes found in that sports drink that everybody knows and loves that starts with a G. It's also the first actively hydrating vodka on the market and it's won awards for best package in the world. Right now, you guys can head over to statesidevodka.com to purchase your 1-liter vodka bottles with our code USP to receive 10% off your your order. 10% off any of the 1-liter vodka bottles on statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older. And please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt?
1: Living the dream.
0: We uh, it, it seems like we've manifested some things with the Phillies last week. We talked about JT Real Muto re-signing, you know, day of the show, talking about it on our 300th episode, but we said they couldn't be done there. And, uh, it's like, it's almost like Dave Dombrowski's just secretly listening to the podcast because Didi Gregorius is back two-year deal. Don't know if that necessarily takes them out of that big shortstop class in a couple years, but I'm
1: thrilled Didi's back. Yeah. And it's a, it's a pretty good deal as well. Two years, 28 million. Um, Lower than the the one year qualifying offer we could have uh, tendered, so in a way you're kind of saving some money, um, and it's great to have him back. We were both pro bringing him back, not just because of his off the field personality. He's a great personality on the team, obviously, but also he was playing well last year, and he's a, I you know I I've, I've always said that I think positionally and the bats we have on this team in the starting lineup I think are good enough. Uh, for, for a playoff contending team it's you know kind of the surrounding pieces your bench and, and your pitching that needs to improve um, so to kind of essentially run it back and you're going to have some improvement with guys like Alec Bohm you, you'd expect right and uh, maybe Reese has a more consistent year DD is able to stay um, kind of on the same track all those things so yeah I think it's a it's, it's a good move obviously bringing everyone back uh, with a, again I think a lineup that was pretty good last year
0: yeah, and I, I talked about this on the episode uh, that came out earlier this week, and I said it's not like the offense really cost the Phillies that much this year. Sure, there were games where they didn't show up, but you're going to get that across every team in baseball. It was a lot that fell on the shoulders of the pitching, and the Phillies are kind of going a, a strange route, I'd say, uh, signing some of these like bounce-back guys. Today they signed Chase Anderson to a four-year or a $4 million deal for one-year Major League deal. They also signed Matt Moore to a one-year $3 million deal that was made official. You know, over the past couple of years, the Phillies have had some of those guys where the bounce back look good, and then boom, those guys get hurt like a Charlie Morton, or, you know, it, it just doesn't pan out. And I think I would have rather have just spent, you know, 6 seven million on one really good reliever, one really good starter than on two guys that are unproven commodities that have had kind of up and down years, or, you know, in Matt Moore's case, coming over from Japan again, um, you don't know what you're going to get in these guys and you hope that they work out, but I would have rather spent that money just in somebody that that really could have solidified, you know, the
1: back end of the bullpen or the rotation. They're like, they're like $5 lottery tickets. It's like, you're going to be burning money. You might as well burn it in the hopes so you get a bigger (laughs) return, you know, like they're a risk they're only a year right but you're kind of putting your season on these guys whether we like to think of it that way or not like whoever you sign to be again if they're coming in as the fourth or fifth um and now you know we're not even sure if Spencer Howard's going to start right away with the Phillies uh, which you know would make sense but Mm -hmm. you know again that only means that another one of these guys is going to be competing for a starting spot right away um you know if and and again you're also putting a lot of pressure now on Zach Eflin as well to to make a big leap and that's been nebulous for him so yeah it's they're not inspiring additions and they don't they don't fill me with any kind of confidence going into the season that they've really in my opinion actually like legitimately improved could could they be improved of course but um, a lot of these guys that we're picking up just came off like career worst years or just have been kind of slumping on our perhaps just kind of not good anymore um yeah I just think you're you're kind of putting yourself in another precarious position where you haven't really addressed the issue here um you're just you're taping it over and not even a band-aid you're you're just putting some scotch tape on it and that's I just don't think very effective but maybe we'll be proven wrong um maybe we'll make another signing I don't know because now we're also at um you know, we're we're not that far off what we were paying last year, you know, in terms of luxury tax and all that. And that's what's crazy is how much we spend on this team for a team that isn't like particularly great. Yeah. <laughs> um, a team that hasn't even made the playoffs. It's it's pretty crazy what we're spending, but I, I I don't I don't see any anything to like go crazy about with any of these these signings that we've made for, as far as pitchers go. And the the latest rumor is that the
0: Phillies are showing like significant interest in Marwin Gonzalez, who I'd be fine with. He's one of those super utility guys. He was on the Astros, so, you know, who knows if he brings any of the cheating tendencies. But uh, played for the Twins last year. Was was relatively good. I mean, the Twins were a good baseball team last year. Um, it, it seems like they are really investing heavily in the offense again, which I'm not opposed to. This team can mash if they're all clicking. And to add a guy like Marvin Gonzalez, who has versatility and plays
1: literally every position, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I agree. He's a good, uh, definitely good bench bat. I think the question is, is, the only positions that he doesn't really play, but I'm sure he could fill in, is outfield, right? Like, he's more like, he can play anywhere on the infield. Predominantly, he's played left field, I right. think, of the outfield positions, which is
0: a positive because we don't really know what Andrew McCutcheon's defense <laughs> right. is going to look like this year in a full 162 because it's weird to think about, but we haven't seen 162 games of Andrew McCutcheon in a Phillies uniform.
1: Right. And I mean, we haven't really even seen him in a year and a half. So (laughs) that's, that's another question mark. Um, So, yeah, you know, and obviously too, like with him, I mean, in a, in a sense, still recovering from injuries, still recovering from arrest it, It would be good to have someone that can platoon. My, my only thing is like I feel like we have lots of platoon guys and not enough. Like I am the best in my position mm-hmm. defensively at this position, guys, um, and that's a potential issue. But um, that's I think on the minor end of, of all the issues that this Philly team has coming into this season is that you know maybe just too many guys that are like jacks of all trades and not specialists or not just elite at some at one specific thing defensively, which could be an issue i was
0: listening to uh
1: one of the good fight podcasts
0: and i think it was either justin clue or liz Rocher brought up you know how is it that you know we're going into the third year i believe of scott kingery being on this team and we still have too many guys on this team for him to not be able to play his natural position yeah it's
1: strange and i you know i think kind of forgot about scott kingery because he had COVID, unfortunately mm-hmm. right and then he kind of had some other injuries and it just never really like came together for him last. When we keep saying last season, it's it was barely last like, mini season, barely a third of a season. Right, like guys have had I think longer preseasons than <laughs> that. You know, it's just it's tough. So I I I think we've in a way kind of forgotten about Kingery a little bit, and that he can be really good. And I think last last campaign was just a little bit of an aberration. And I expect him to be better this season and and have more consistency. There's probably going to be a lot more opportunity for him as well to get, you know, starts in a preferred position as well. So you hope that that's the case. Um, and, yeah, I think, again, that's that's like what you tell yourself if you're trying to be positive about the Phillies this year. It's like there is there is lots of paths to this team, like taking a leap because there's still youth on this team, albeit not a lot and not a, like a elite talent youth, but there's there's guys there that you could definitely say, all right, they could take a really important step this year. Like Alec Bone is gonna have a really strong year, and we're excited about that. Scott Kingman can certainly have a good bounce back year. Reese Hoskins can certainly have a good bounce back year. Like your two pitchers that you're gonna depend on the most can still like improve even. You know, they can still get even better. So that's that's how you sell yourself on this year is by saying the young guys can definitely improve and Bryce will carry us through, you know, month you know, a month here, a month there.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, we talked about with Didi being back Does it really take them out of the shortstop class that we had talked about that's coming in 2022? Um, I mean, I don't know if they were ever really in it to begin with because you look at the guys that are going to be on that list. If you want to include Francisco Lindor, you can. Obviously, he's with the Mets now, and I fully expect the Mets to re-sign him, like I said last week, but I I just never viewed the Phillies being ready, you know, As much as it sucks, being ready to dish out four $100 million. I don't think there's a single team in baseball that has four $100 million plus guys. So I just just seemed like it was out of the cards from the jump that, you know, Didi was the more logistical option because it it was going to take Didi. I think it helps Didi out too because he misses out on that shortstop class. And now re enters free agency the year after. So, if anybody misses out on these big time shortstops, there's potential to
1: get, you know, a couple years of Didi Gregorius. Right. And I, I think the other thing is that's like roughly a year and a half away, right? Like that's next and next offseason. So, this team could very well be at that stage, at, at that, that point in the 2022 offseason and still not. Some not have even made the playoffs. Right. That's like a totally reasonable outcome. (laughs) And yeah, you're not going to go spend, you know, a hundred million dollars on, on a position of, of, of need. Sure. But like, you know, like you're not going to be handing out that contract when you're not even a contending team. Like other teams are wary of doing that. And again, we don't know what finances are going to be looking like as we go through this year and the next whatever but and all those guys that are going to be free agents are going to be you know 29 30 years old right. 32 years old at most these are not you know building for the future kind of guys these are we want to win right now and are willing to spend to get there um so who knows you know, it's it's tough to say what this Phillies team is going to look like even by then um you'd expect that this team should be in their primes right pretty much everyone uh, no one's really gonna be over the hill exactly, except for maybe McCutcheon you'd expect is probably dwindling. Um, but that's about it,? Right? As far as someone like you're depending on, I don't know if Gene will be with us anymore. but yeah, I think I think it's an interesting interesting view, like long view to take of what is the Phillies plan <laughs> um, because I don't think there is one. It, none of this feels, none of what the Phillies have done over the last three years is, has felt consistent in tone or consistent in any kind of like methodology or team building. It's been just random bursts of big splashes in free agency mixed with what we're seeing now with some of these pictures, where it's just weird lottery tickets. It's like you're, you're buying like at Wawa the, the Waikia volcanic water, but getting like, like dot, like dollar scratch offs. It's like it prioritize your money in a different way. <laughs> like, you know, you could get like, you could, you could spread the money out a little better than what you're doing right now. And that's the way the Phillies are approaching it, which is it's frustrating because, again, it doesn't doesn't feel like they have an actual plan. We brought it up last week too,
0: kind of in jest. But since last week, a lot has transpired, uh, you know, because of the, the stock market things. And Steve Cohen got bullied off of Twitter. You know, say Steve Cohen continues to lose money the Mets kind of draw out of potentially signing Trevor Bauer to a big time deal. The angels apparently never were interested in signing Bauer. Would you go all in on like a one year deal for Trevor Bauer or, you know, a two year deal where it's a lot of money up front, but you get, you know, potentially the prime of Trevor Bauer.
1: Yeah. Why not? (laughs) If you, the Phillies seem to be building, and this is the way they've operated, that they believe their window is now and going forward. For however long is left on Bryce's contract now, what, 11 years left is their window. And there will be different stages. This is how I see the Phillies seeing this, that they'll be more competitive you know, in some of those years than in others, which is just a natural kind of thing that happens. Right now, I think they think that this is one of those <laughs> peak windows. We haven't even seen them make the playoffs. Trevor Bauer solidifies at least your top three pitching, right? Like Zach Eflin is still like. Teetering. And I think you
0: feel better about Zach Gufflin if Bauer's here because then he's your
1: number four. Yeah, would exactly. You know, and that that also gives you much more clarity on on the five spot too, because you'd expect Spencer Howard to be competing there, Vince Velasquez, any number of the guys that you just signed. That also strengthens your bullpen by default, so clears up a lot of things. If you're, and again, that's the problem with signing these one year three million deals one more foot because you're not really getting anyone that's going to make a difference for you like at best this guy's your fifth mm-hmm. that's like come on <laughs> like that's not that's, that's not doing much and the fifth on our team is like i'm not even making the roster on many other mlb right. like it's just so it, it's it's not really any kind of actual value so i think if trevor power is there why not i don't know if we will because i don't know how much more money we're, we're going to be willing to spend because that's another mixed signal that we're constantly getting from the Phillies. I know that COVID has sucked for lots of sports teams and all that. I get there's loss of revenue, but you know, we're like, play it one way or the other, you know, like, is it, are we, we have no money and we're broke. Cause that's what it was in December. Or now it's, well, we can afford to re-sign JT and DD and hand out these kind of like prove it deals. Um, but we can't afford to get Trevor Bauer. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Plus you see other teams punting this season, right? Like,
0: the Rockies, uh, you know, they literally were the, the episode of SpongeBob where we made all this money. We didn't know what to do with it. So in the end, we just decided to give it all away because not only did they trade Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals, they sent $50 million to the Cardinals so that they would take Nolan Arenado, which is
1: bizarre. Um... Like imagine being a Rockies fan. Tough one. I mean, you get to live in Colorado. Tease him. Tease. Pretty, pretty decent <laughs> trade off. Colorado sports fans in general. Rough time. I mean, they got the Nuggets now. They had the Broncos. Yeah, like, early in the... Yeah. But, you know, like, not a lot of, like, winning, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, as Philly fans, not like we can say that we're, like, swimming in it. But, I mean, you still get to live in Colorado. It's a beautiful place. Like, but imagine giving up off. on Arenado. Hall like, of Famer. Two years into his deal. Yeah. I, I think everyone kind of had written off Arenado as leaving at some point. I don't think that we thought – didn't he have a player option coming up soonish? ish like So, in the next two I think like years? the
0: next like four years yeah. there were opt-outs. So, he could opt-out at any time. But to not – like to trade away Arenado is one thing. But their justification for it of saying, oh, we're going to give the Cardinals $50 million as well. And we're trading Nolan Arenado so that we have the potential to re-sign Trevor Story and keep him here. I'm sorry. Trevor Story is a great player but I'm not trading away Nolan Arenado to keep Trevor Story.
1: And it's like, you know, you almost have the same thing when you're re-signing Arenado. It's like, well, we're really bent on keeping him here. We're going to, like, move Earth to do that. Well, now we're moving Arenado to keep Story. Like, it's going to be the same thing in three years when Story gets moved as well. Yeah. Um, And that's an interesting perspective, too, because as fresh as we get by the Phillies, the one thing you can't, to this point, in john middleton they haven't punted and they have spent they're they not have the spent, pirates it's yeah you know like it's which the, is what
0: we were all afraid of right we were afraid that john middleton was gonna you know cry poor and not spend any money this offseason we were buckled in potentially because in, they did say as much right like <laughs> they flat the, out <laughs> said it and <laughs> we were preparing for you know, this team to lose JT, right. this team to lose DD, it to cause a whole spiral down effect with Bryce Harper and him potentially calling for a trade. And now they've spent the second most money in all of baseball. And now you see teams in the National League where, you know, outside of the Cardinals and everybody in the NL East, unfortunately, nobody's spending
1: money. Right. Right. Totally. It's It's been a weird year. And I think we also talked about that going back months projecting what this offseason look like we said it's probably gonna be a dip in the, the free agency like teams aren't gonna be spending tons of money you're gonna probably see some discounts on some deals i think you saw that and archie bradley being one of them right i mean even jt jt yeah. was talking about five years 150 that like yeah that was a legitimate sourcing that was happening Which you know we were in all September.
0: fine with right at, at that point because you were, well, raise
1: your eyebrows originally you like, it
0: was like 200 million right. we were hearing and you know
1: came nowhere close to that right so i think that the the phillies are an interesting position because they have they haven't really strengthened they certainly haven't weakened i think they've addressed like some holes in the team but not to like an effective degree and you're banking a lot on just like development and like Joe Girardi having like more time with his team and having a full season and just hoping that that's enough. And it's, it's almost similar to what we were hoping last year where it's like, well, you know, we think we've made some like good enough changes to get us in a positive direction. It's not like the, the team is not doing like a 180 Now it's going to be contenders all of a sudden in the NLCS boom. Um, but you know, you're spending all this money. You hope that it, it gets you somewhere where you're actually being competitive again and, Again, if that means you have to spend a little more to get there on someone like Trevor Bauer, then I, I think you have to do it. But
0: because I think if we're, if we're talking about signing Trevor Bauer, and this is all hypothetical,
1: obviously there has been zero you right. know connections. But what well, you can just put in any legitimate starting pitcher, not even this right. season, right? Because I think the window's kind of closed a little bit. But even going forward, it's just any meaningful like <laughs> starter player X. You do it. Yeah, and I mean, if
0: Bauer's market continues to stay the way it has over the past couple of months, you know, we're, we're very close to spring training and pitchers and catchers being here because baseball is going to start on time, allegedly. Um, if Bauer's market continues to stay this stagnant, if you're the Phillies and, and he's still out there and you make a run at him and get him here for the next year or two, we're talking about a whole different perspective about this team for the next year or two because, like we said, you know, it, it knocks everybody in the rotation down one. And sure, Bowers is a guy that is very easy to root against, but his skill from a baseball perspective w- would put this team, you know, right at the top of the NL East, I'd say. And it gives you a legit shot in the playoffs. To have a, a one, two, three, four punch in the rotation, and you have an offense that's ready to compete.
1: If, if I were in charge, I would just be putting John Milton in one of those chairs from A Clockwork Orange that opened their eyes and show him all the footage last year of all those blown saves, all those terrible, like seventh inning onwards, where we just got absolutely decimated. <laughs> and <laughs> I, again, I think the number gets bigger every time we say it. I think it was actually, like, genuinely. If you had to put a number on how many losses were solely because of either bad starting pitching or mm-hmm. terrible bullpen, I think it is, and I think this is conservative. I think you could certainly go higher. Conservatively, it was at least 12 losses. Easy. Easy. That is that. That is simple math. I think you could go as high as like 20. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could go as high as like 16, 17 range. I, but like, that is That's huge. That's a lot. And that again, that's not like a stretch to say. Like there were so many games last year where we were just awful. <laughs> like not even not even passable. If we had just a league average bullpen last year, we would have been a playoff team. And probably a really good one. <laughs> Phillies went twenty eight and thirty two last year. I'm telling you, at least at least twelve of those were totally winnable. We're just absolutely blown games you put 12 wins in the win column potentially even
0: if you take 3 quarters of those you take 8 of those games and right. put them in the win column you're talking
1: about a playoff team right that's just uh, it's frustrating so hopefully hopefully they change and obviously too last year was that was a little compounded by the fact that it was a shortened season already and then you had the, the layoff at the beginning because of the the covid situation with the Marlins so it was even more mm-hmm. double headers and stuff and seventh inning crap which, thank God, hopefully, cross fingers, hope to die. We don't have to watch that ever again. Because that was <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen in my life was doubleheader seven innings and having to watch just, like, awful baseball. So stupid. It ruined the like the season because, like, half the teams were, like, having layoffs for, like, a week and a half, having to play these crap games. God, that was brutal to watch. <laughs> uh,
0: but I will say... I'm feeling a lot better in terms of, okay, this team's gonna be, you know, pretty competitive
1: this year. They'll certainly be competitive. I have no doubt about that. They'll be they'll be competitive for the division. Um, that's certainly within the, their grasp. But question is, how competitive? Because you can be competitive and still finish fourth in this division. You know, like mm-hmm. it's certainly doable. Uh, this is gonna be a really really tough division. To, to get out of to win even but even to make a wild card is going to be tough this year so yeah it's, it's certainly going to be a, a huge test for the Phillies but I mean, we'll see you know last year there was positive signs of life and hopefully we, we get some of that again this season
0: and because unless major news comes out about the uh, the midnight green team we're not going to talk about them on this podcast because the toxicity levels are way too high plus we have two first place teams in season right now, both of them playing tonight. Sixers back at it. Doc Rivers named Eastern Conference Coach of the Month for December and January. Can't remember the last time the Sixers had a Coach of the Month uh, <laughs> over the past couple of years. So, I, I also talked about this on the episode that came out on Tuesday. That game against Indiana, Matt, like the the in-game adjustments that were made and the Sixers right now leading 25-9 to over the Hornets early... Um, but that game on Sunday against the Pacers, when they switched to that two-three zone defense that you know Doc Rivers named after John Chaney, uh, I can't remember the last time Brett Brown, and, and this is no knock against Brett as a coach, but I I don't remember the last time Brett really implemented like in-game uh, adapting to what a team was doing and knowing what would frustrate a team. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to see this team that typically one doesn't win games on the road and especially doesn't win games on the road without Joel Embiid go into crunch time and adapt on the fly to what, you know, the, the situation of the game was fix something that wasn't working and go on a run and win a game.
1: Right. Um, Mid-game adjustments were not a, a thing that we saw enough of last year, one of our biggest complaints. I'll be honest, I thought this was going to be a very typical Sans joel game from what we've seen this year, which is just drab, uninspiring, uh, non-competitive. Uh, the fact that they pulled it around without him is really, really impressive. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I think that win goes, goes a lot on, on Doc's shoulders, and it's good. I was trying to just look up briefly to see the last Sixers coach that was uh, like, Coach of the Month, and I, I wasn't able to find it. I honestly couldn't even tell you the last one. Like, you'd have to go back to, like, Doug Collins, maybe, but we were never, like, I don't think good enough to have won that award then. Yeah. Um, You know, you have to be a – to win a Coach of the Month, you have to have a, a pretty decent enough team. Yeah, it was a, it's a good win against Indiana, and, you know, it's another feather in the cap, I think, a little bit of Embiid's MVP case and him talking and, and all the talks surrounding him about – just how good he's been this year which you know we don't need to be told about that but um it was also the turn of cork mouths really into like kind of our our headspace you know because obviously he had that injury to deal with uh, at the very beginning of the the season which which kept him out but you know it, he's back he's going to be another guy that we could see coming in off the bench and providing us good scoring so i, I think a lot of that that game's win comes on to him as well so that's that's impressive but yeah, I think um, it's, a, it's, it's a strong win that puts us top of the East, which is not where I expected us to be. Um, kind of avoiding that melee that is like two through 11 right now in the East. Not looking forward to potentially like having to face a really difficult team as, as a first seed, like we end up with like, the Raptors or something. But yeah, it's, it's impressive. Last
0: time the Sixers coach won Coach of the uh, Month was March of 27,
1: 2018 with Brett. That makes sense that makes sense we were on that absolute heater yeah um but i mean to to see
0: and you know dan burke being the guy that implemented like hey doc rivers ran this same defensive scheme against the pacers last year with the clippers it gave us fits let's try it that's a testament to how much faith and trust doc has in his assistant coaches to listen to them and you know Especially during a game when you're in a situation that you were kind of you know just getting absolutely mollywopped the entire time up until that fourth quarter, and Doc's like, "Yeah, let's let's try. If you know this is gonna work, let's go with it." So that's a you know that's a reason why Doc's winning Coach of the Month. He's he's willing to adapt and learn from his coaching staff and. That's just another
1: tip of the cap to Doc Rivers and the you know type of coach that he is, and to to Daryl Morey and to this you know you have to give credit to Sixers for putting together, you know and, and pulling the plug on Brett Brown and, and some of these coaches from last year and, and trying something new. That was, you know, before anything else happened. That was, uh, you know, at least something you could pull out of a positive from our our offseason was that you know there's going to be new voices. Doc Rivers is a new coach, uh, a few new assistant coaches that could be a huge change for this team. And you're, you're seeing some of that. And I think it's all it's all blending together nicely. And, yeah, I mean, this team is starting out well. It was funny, though, is we started out this, this exact same record last year. Yeah. And it feels totally different. 100%, because last year was built on on falsehoods. <laughs> last year was um, a mirage, really. This year feels much more real, especially because our starting lineup is so good and they fit so so much better together. And Embiid is obviously playing at a much better level, and part of that is not having to share the floor as much um, with Horford and having to so much crammed space. But he's been playing unbelievably well. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting though because in, in your mind you'd think if you I think if you asked polled people what was the Sixers' record through twenty one games last year, they might tell you like eleven and ten or something. You know, like they might tell you, a, but exact same started off twenty and seven
0: last year. Yeah,
1: I mean you know. This time last year, we're at, not this time, but through these amount of games, you're, you're coming off. I remember that the Heat game was not; it was around this time where you blow them out and you're like cloud nine. Um, but you feel so much better about this team. You hope it doesn't <laughs> nosedive the way it did. But it is interesting, just kind of the difference that an actual like competent front office, at least on the the face of things, looks, um, and a well built team or a better built team can can give you.
0: Yeah, and right now the Sixers end of the first quarter against the Hornets up thirty to thirteen. In ten minutes, Joel Embiid has thirteen points and six rebounds. You uh you love this. <laughs> it's just and, and this is what we want to see from this team too, because yes, they always own the Hornets, but this is the third game of a three game road trip. They've won two games on the road in a row, and they also are coming off that, you know, big, exciting win against the Lakers. You want to see this team continue to build a- and kind of beat down on these teams that have no business being in the same conversation as them. Right.
1: No no Terry Rozier tonight either, which is a, a yeah. big help. It <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly helps because he's a frequent Sixers killer.
0: Yes. But, I mean, you know, the Timberwolves, pretty bad team this year. The Pacers, they're not r- really in the same conversation as, you know, the Sixers and the Nets and the Celtics, but they are a good team. So for you to come back after being down against them on the road is big. You should, you know, squash the Hornets, and then you come home for two big games this coming week. You know, tomorrow against the Blazers, and then Saturday against the Nets. First time with Harden. Those are two games that, even though they're at home, you've got to be, you know, on your P's and Q's because those two teams can shoot the lights out of the gym.
1: Right. It's those. Those going to be especially that Nets game is obviously going to be you know, the highlight, the marquee game as it should be because it's going to get billed as like potential Eastern Conference finals matchup, all that stuff. Um, the Nets have been interesting to watch, obviously, because they are, uh, you know, 130 points a night type of team. Um, I was watching actually, pardon the interruption, for the first time in a very long time, and they brought up an interesting stat that only three teams have won an NBA championship w- without having a top 10 defense. And the Nets currently have, I think it's 28, <laughs> you know, like it, as great as an offense of the Nets have and it's it's, the worst defense in the league since the Harden trade like that, that has to count for something at some point, but you know, that's, we're a long way off. And of course they can still add pieces, but that, it's, it's going to be truly fascinating to see how we match up with them. Cause we, we haven't. We haven't really played them at all this year because the game that we did play against them uh, had the, the the COVID situation happening in between it. Durant wasn't playing that night. Kyrie, Kyrie was on his, uh, on his break as well. So we ha- we really have not actually played the Nets at all so far this year. So this is going to be a huge test for the Sixers, just like the Lakers game was, except this one probably feels a little more real because you know, they're in your conference, they're in your division. This is going to be a team that likely you will have to go through to make it to, to the finals to win a championship, um, you know, so that's going to be interesting. And, yeah, like you said, Trailblazers, always a tough matchup, another team that can absolutely heat up on you, but um, two very, very interesting games.
0: So there's a fun comparison that our, our friends at the Waterboys tweeted out yesterday. Uh, make sure you check them out at W-O-O-D-E-R, boys. Um, the 2014-2015 Golden State Warriors, which that was the first championship that they won, Previous season, first round exit. Their preseason odds to win the championship were the eighth best. Uh, it was Steph Curry's age 26 season and Clay Thompson's age 24 season. Uh, it was season number four of Steph and Clay. New head coach coming in, Steve Kerr. They didn't end up trading Clay for Kevin Love. Their starting five started that season 10 and 1 and starting the season with Steph and Clay together. 14-1, and one. Uh and Clay's 15-game offensive rating, 116.6, Andre Iguodala was a six-man-of-the-year candidate, and Seth was the MVP front runner. They clinched the number one seed, Steph won the MVP, and we all know that was the start of the Warriors dynasty. Right now, the 2020-2021 Sixers, previous season, last year in the bubble, first-round exit, Sixers' preseason odds this year were plus 2,500, which were also the eighth best. This also happens to be Joel Embiid's age 26 season, Ben Simmons' age 24 season. Season number four of Joel and Ben, we have a new head coach in Doc Rivers. We didn't trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Starting five this season together are 11-0, and 0, and Joel and Ben starting the season together 14-1. Joel and Ben's 15-game offensive rating, 119.3 shake Milton's a six man of the year candidate Joel Embiid's the MVP front runner and then obviously everything else is to be determined but sure there's still a lot of you know game to play but this is an interesting you know kind of side by side with the the Golden State Warriors that we know became a a dynasty and you know the 76ers team right now
1: yeah I mean there's certainly uh there's certainly some comparisons that can be made but I uh I don't want to give us uh yeah give us that label so soon you know but we do have to talk about how insanely good this team has looked with Embiid starting and Ben has been fantastic defensively this year as well like as impactful as Embiid has been offensively and defensively Ben has had that a very similar impact defensively this year um, carrying over from what he was last season as well where he's uh, another really strong defensive player. Um, obviously you know it's been talked to death about his future here and any trades his team might make um you know we'll, we'll see what happens with that i still think there's probably another addition to be made but you know one of the issues and we highlighted this i can't remember if it was last time or the time before we talk about ben is that if you trade him you're losing out on elite defense and if you're going to miss ben simmons it has to be for someone that's going to bring you something really really good i think the only person on the market that you could conceivably get is bradley beal um like exactly who doesn't, apparently doesn't want to be traded right you know and that's the thing too is not everyone you know where i think we've gotten accustomed to players wanting to move and wanting to be in better situations or wanting to team up with friends or whatever you know that it's almost like when a guy wants to stay in a bad situation you're like well that doesn't make sense but you know if that's what we want to do that's obviously his choice um so you know that's that's a piece of this as well so As this team currently is, it's hard to say what the ceiling is, right? I still think with Ben Simmons in the playoffs, your ceiling is is limited in what you can do. But Embiid playing at the level that he is,
0: who knows? And it's obviously a big if, but if, if you can get the Ben Simmons that played on Sunday without Joel Embiid, but also with Joel Embiid on the court, that opens up a whole you know, new level of this team where, sure, Ben didn't shoot you know, jumpers and everything, but he, he shot 75% from the field. If you can get that from Ben and that type of aggressiveness where he's putting up 20 points a night, I think that changes the narrative on a lot of things about this team.
1: Right. The problem has been... The ben, if. If, and, and Ben has had games like this, and we're like, well, see, this is what he can be, and he just... oftentimes it isn't. I, I can remember... You know, a few playoff series where, like, I remember the the first season, uh, that we made the playoffs. That Heat series, he played great, and just absolutely got pumpkined the next round by the Celtics, and it was like, it, it was night and day the difference between Ben Simmons in those series. And that's what happens as you progress further in the playoffs. You get, uh, you get a much shorter leash. Everything you you do has to be way more efficient and way better and way more, way more professionally executed because you're playing against much better players, much better schemes that are going to be on you the entire time. They're, gonna, they're you're not going to make the mistakes that Charlotte's going to make on February night, you know, on a, on a road trip, you know, like they're not going to have that. And the same goes for Embiid as well. Like it's easier to defend a big man at times mm-hmm. than it is like someone like Steph Curry, obviously hard to compare anyone to Steph Curry. Cause he's a, a transcendental talent, but that's the point. Is that this team, as good as they've been, it's 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 great. And we saw this with the Bucs last year to steamroll teams in the regular season. But ultimately, what matters is how you perform in the playoffs. And I think this team has actually been snake bit by that same ideology because so often the last few years it was forget the regular season, that doesn't matter. Just totally make it built the-, the team last year, right? And that bit us in the ass in the end because ultimately you built, you built thinking so far ahead. They didn't think of how this team would work and that this team would actually perform well together over eight months and be good going into the playoffs. And this year you're actually playing well in the regular season. And I guess we'll see where that gets us, you know, hopefully not a second round exit, but you know, we can't lose sight of how tough the East is going to be. And obviously, you know, Embiid is playing at an MVP kind of level. I think he will certainly continue to stay in that discussion as long as he's playing this way, but you know, ultimately i think it's it's going to matter just most when you get to the playoffs and how you perform there but if the seed mixes a one seed that's huge as well i mean that's obviously you know there's 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 an article that came out about potentially having fans back in the wells fargo center i wouldn't be shocked if you know may june we have limited fans um for probably both the flyers and the sixers Mm -hmm. in in their playoff runs uh maybe even good by the wells fargo center too for keeping up and they've had the construction going on with all
0: of this too so good by them you know maintaining things and, and keeping it where it needs
1: to be if not better so, so home court advantage could actually mean something a little more beyond just not having to get on a plane and you know being able to sleep in your own home like you could have actual like fans there too which could be huge so the, the, the rest of the season is um is as open as it can be for this team and as long as they can continue to win, I mean, who, who cares? Ultimately just, you know, we'll, we'll deal with the playoffs when we get there. You know, it's also important to remember that this is a, a really, really fun and, and good team that we're watching.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the way that it, it's crazy to think about, but this first half of the season's almost over. So, I mean, the way it shakes out, this team could continue to stockpile wins. Um, and if, if they can, they have a, a really good shot at you know when March 3rd comes and goes having a really nice you know situation being on top of the Eastern Conference and having some cushion in between them and like the Nets and the the Bucks and the Celtics
1: yeah so so right now they're two games ahead of the Nets um but the the gap between 2 and 8 is the same as between the Nets and the Sixers Mhm so it's like you're it's so it's so compact right now that you you have to you know you just have to hope you continue to win but yeah the, the sixers are putting themselves in, in just a much better position uh, that they did in years past where you know there was a stage last year where you, you weren't even talking about the one seed or the two seed anymore you were just talking about just don't let's be like the seventh you know so we'll we'll see what happens um again you know with, with this team obviously too you have to continue to to be resting and be the way that we are. Um, I don't know how much discomfort he's actually in with like the lower back pain. I don't, I don't know if that's just like they're what they're putting on the sheet to mm-hmm. get him to be able to rest. We know that he's had some back issues like in the past. We know that Ben also has had back issues that we saw uh, last year, but you know, so obviously it's more important than ever to keep Embiid healthy and, and on the court, especially as, as you get you know closer to the playoffs. But, Seems a lot of fun, and and they're winning games, which is important because they're winning some games that they wouldn't last year, and they're even winning some games without Embiid here and there, which is surprising because they haven't looked like doing it much this season. That Indiana game is a great surprise and treat for us, but in years past, it's been the same news. When a has been out, this team has not won, um, and that's changing a little bit. Yeah or nay on former Sixer J.J. Redick. I think is a great a uh, regular season addition. I think that's someone that is like a good platoon guy for you, but you know, even years ago we saw he just wasn't really effective in the playoffs, especially like in crunch time and stuff. Cause defensively it's not going to be any different now, now that he's older, he's just not really fit to the bill. Um, obviously I think Ben is taking considerable leaps defensively since JJ has been here. He's already, he was already a good defender then. And I think the team as a whole is probably better constructed, but I would take him but not on i wouldn't be giving up very much to do so um so yeah he'd be he'd be a nice addition not something that i think is like a pressing need for the sixers because funnily enough like shooting like isn't like the the need right Right. now i i think um if you're going to be adding any shooting it has to be like a primary ball handler like someone that could like handle you know, again, like an absolute superstar, like a Bradley Beal type, or you're just getting like another like platoon guy that can just give you good minutes, which JJ Reddick could. All in all, I just think this team needs Mike Scott to get healthy. Right, he's he's had another setback as well, which is unfortunate. Um, Ready to scrap in polos though. Yeah, and I mean, shout you out ex- the boy. You expect nothing less from him. So yeah, it's it's been a it, we we've kind of forgotten that it's been a weird year for the Sixers as well with, you know, well with the COVID breakout, you had some injuries here and there, like a lot of the bench guys haven't been able to really get acclimated as well. Um, rest on and off here, guys being put out because of safety protocols and stuff. But, you know, a lot of teams have struggled with that this season so far. So it's, you don't want to use it as an excuse, but you know, we, we can't forget either that this team hasn't had, you know, we're 21 games into the season with a, a, again, a new starting five and a bunch of new coaches. So, it's, it's good to be in this position.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if, if the Sixers are looking for something either at the trade deadline or the buyout market and everything, it, it's a stretch four, stretch five type player to, you know, be on the court when Joel is not playing, when he's off the court. Because, sure, we, we've talked about how good Dwight Howard is and how he's been the best backup big man that Joel has had in his career. But if Joel's not playing – Dwight Howard being your starting, you know, center is is tough because there's moments where Dwight thinks that it's, you know, 2012 Dwight and he can dribble the ball and, you know, he's always due to, you know, come close to fouling out. And you just need somebody that can help, you know, with Ben Simmons and with the shooters around that can also be, you know, more athletic and, and more versatile.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you have to compete with Brooklyn for a guy like that as well. And Boston. Uh, and Boston, so. Yeah. More Boston because – The Nets, you know, I
0: think they use their mid-level exception now on somebody, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I I know people were talking about how J.J. Redick, oddly enough, it could come down to the Sixers and the the Celtics, but I think the Celtics are the the bigger threat just because they have that Hayward trade exception. Right. So, who knows, you know, what happens there, but...
1: I I think that... the nets could certainly be in for like the buyout candidates on like vet minimum still mm, though which is definitely which is definitely going to be where um where the Sixers find themselves as well you know and it's the same thing every year where the contenders are always kind of fighting for the uh the same guys but um, i don't remember them signing anyone recently but you know i'm also not a a cap expert so who knows what the um you know what what money they have actually to spend or not but yeah i you know i think it's it's I don't want to be too critical of the Nets right now because I very much doubt that this is the team that they're going to be rolling with. Um,
0: oh, they signed Demont Demond Shumpert and uh, our boy Norvell Pell. Yeah,
1: Norvell I- I'd seen, and that's you know interesting signing for him because you know we, we love Norvell and what he gave us last year was, like great energy, great defensive ability as well, but also like just fouls like crazy, and um, it's not like I'm imagining Norvell guarding Embiid, and that's just not <laughs> practical. So. That's where the Nets have to improve. Um, you know, if if you're if you're gonna see them really be like elite on the on the whole of it, right? But they're they're still a strong team.
0: Flyers back at it. We get we get another doubleheader night, which is a lot more fun than it has been in years past, when both of the teams are playing on the same night. Flyers hosting the Bruins this time around, and I'm hoping things go much better. Uh, for the Flyers in this mini series than it did the last time they played the Bruins because a couple you know a couple weeks ago it was rough going you know the shootout loss was like a, a punch in the gut because the Flyers had that game in hand and they should have won that game and then they came out on that Saturday and just completely fell flat and lost six to one to the Bruins but now they're on a four game winning streak um, have really bounced back. Uh, against the Devils and then winning two overtime games against the Islanders, I think was huge. You know, just for building momentum this season. But two games against the Bruins that I think, even though they're not exactly must wins, I feel like from just a, a confidence building standpoint and a you know a bounce back against this specific team standpoint, these games the Flyers got to go out and win these.
1: Yeah, uh- The Flyers haven't played particularly well so far this year, and there's a combination of of injuries to blame for that, right? But if you're still, like, not playing well, but you're also top of the East, like, you know, you kind of take the good with the bad Mm -hmm. there and and hope that you improve as the season goes on um, and that it won't really matter as much if you didn't get off to – um, as a as pleasing of a, of a start or as a f- a efficient or, or playing as well, um because if, if you're still getting the results at least if you're still grinding them out then that's that's a positive thing. um I think at some point you have to expect this team is going to play a little better and a little more coherent. But you know, again, if, if you're sitting at seven one and two and still not playing your best hockey, that's I think a, a good position to find or seven two and one. Sorry, that's a, a good First position place. to find yourself. Yeah, like. You know there are worst ways ways could to be the death. Rangers, right? Exactly. Could
0: have guys punching each other in the locker, right? What a time! Um, but yeah, I mean, the the injuries are, are definitely there. But even with them, I think there's a lot of guys that have stepped up on this Flyers team that a lot of people didn't expect, especially JVR, who's having a fantastic season, um, which makes you know my heart swoon because I'm a big JVR guy and. Um, the you you haven't really had to rely on the one guy to go out and play well for you in order to win games, you know. Claude Giroux has hasn't been, you know, a dominant force for this team to start the year. Four checks been, you know, he's put up points, but he hasn't been dominant. Kevin Hayes, you haven't really had to rely on to do a lot, but he's been there, made plays, but you've had guys step up and it's been a, a total team effort where in years past you kind of relied on the guys like Voracek, Drew, Kevin Hayes, even last year, to to come in and kind of be the guys that carry the team. And let's not be mistaken, the Flyers are in first place in winning all these games and playing the way that they are without arguably their best player in Sean Couturier.
1: Yeah, that's that's obviously a big miss. Um, yeah, it's been strange. You know, like you've been bailed out a lot as well. Brian Elliott, of, of all people, has been like – probably like the MVP of the year. So, so good, man. Um, you know, but you, you're probably not going to get like goaltending like you've seen so far from him, but you also expect Carter Hart to probably be a bit like, that's, that's just been the thing so far with the Flyers is it's a pretty small sample size, 10 games into the season. I know that, you know, it's technically a large chunk of the season, but you know, I, I just, I think that you're going to see it as the year goes on, this team will probably improve, but um, you do hope that you see that sooner rather than later because you don't want it to be a trend where, you know, the the bubble, you kind of really didn't show your best and, mm-hmm. and did not perform very well at all. And you don't want that to have carried over into this season where it's it's no longer like that team that went on that great run in the second half of last year. It's um, You know, and that just becoming a flash in the pan that this is just, maybe this team wasn't just very good. Um, you have to hope that that's, that's not the case. They're actually going to improve, but again to to be where you're at and not having uh like the sterling start that you wanted exactly is I, I think a good position to find yourself in
0: and uh one other team in this city that is in a very good position because there's a big look good feel good play good podcast
1: those Philadelphia Union kits brother oh my I like them a lot they I, are clean I think you gotta you know you gotta go bold sometimes you know there's, there's nothing wrong with some tradition but it's also nothing wrong with letting the fans uh, get involved and come up with a, with a very nice looking kit. So that's what the union did. It, I for me, it's like an instant cop. I think they're uh, they're really nice. I'm also looking forward to see what kind of like uh, other like merchandise to put out with them, like the shirts and stuff and the the, the jackets. Um, I think it's very clean looking. Uh, I I love them a lot. You know, you get you know, something wrong with doing at least one a little crazy. You know, and it just getting getting a little creative with it and even if some people don't like it the people that do like them will love them and you know it'll it'll give you some good memories so yeah and the mls has had like this these weird um like uniformity to their jerseys uh, last year as well like where it's like they're all done by this and they're all the exact same except all the changes to the color so it's cool to have breaking out of that template a little bit and i think it's it's good overall because you want to see cool stuff like this it gets people talking
0: yeah, and I mean, I think it brings in the, the casual fans, too, and it brings in the people that are in it for, you know, the fashion sense. And I know the New York Red Bulls tweeted, uh, you know, question marks and tagged the the Chargers and everything, and the union went back and said, come get your mans at NJ NJGov. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are some of the cleanest, you know, MLS jerseys I've seen in a while. I love the touch of, like, the Ben Franklin key on the, you know, right. back neck patch and it, it is a really clean look, and I think it. You know, it, it's in that same stratosphere as like you know when the Phillies wear the powder blues or the the all maroons. It's like when the Eagles, you know, when everybody clamors for the Kelly greens, and right. it's like the the redone or or like you know, when they wear the uh, the black, the black, you know? and you know, a clean look. I when they unveiled them this morning, I was very impressed, and if uh you know the whole reason for the underbridge you know neon billboard was this mm-hmm. money well spent
1: yeah it's it's a it's a cool thing and you know you know you see this a lot with like uh, like minor league baseball teams as well we'll mm-hmm. kind of go with like their you know jerseys can get like really crazy and stuff like that but it's it's just a good way i think of like you know having a little more fun with it not everything needs to be like baked in tradition and steeped in glory like At the end of the day, it's a sport, it's fun, it's entertainment. You can make something cool-looking that people will like and will like to see on their TVs, Um, you know, and and no one's going to (laughs) die. Right. We think at least because of this.
0: And, uh, hey, at Union, you know, we have some real estate behind us. Right. If you want to, you know, send us us a jersey, we'll hang it on the wall back here. It'll be on display every single podcast uh, that we do we are open for business slide in the dms we know we know you know where we're at you you like our tweets you know when we tweet you the uh the girl in the toy car revving it up and going that's our thing we we have a thing so let's make that happen but job well done by you know adidas and just the the creative team for the union to to bring these jerseys to life because i think they're an excellent you know uh creation to say the least and can't wait to see them actually, you know, on the field with the guys wearing them. So job well done by the union and uh, job well done by, you know, our listeners for listening to our show, subscribing, being friends, telling friends, and uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, guys, to, to keep this community growing at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely bonkers that Sunday is our three-year anniversary of doing this thing it would not be possible without you know the support that we get from you guys each and every day and week on social during podcasts whether they're live or you're listening on the audio only so big thank you to you guys for all the support as we get ready to head into another year of doing this thing and taking things to new levels that we didn't even think were possible and it's all because of you guys so at underground phi is the social handles you can follow matt at matt castarena you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. Check out all of our other podcasts on the network, too the Outside the Box podcast, Streamer Season, Streamer SZN is the social handles for that at OTB Lax Pod for our lacrosse news. Unfortunately, the National Lacrosse League announced today that their uh, abbreviated season is going to be canceled in their pushing towards the 2021 2022 season we're gonna have you guys covered you know knees deep with that information as well again the whole podcast is coming back now that golf is uh back up and running and then of course our fantasy football guys have an absolutely hilarious piece of content coming out next week after the super bowl so at fourth and goal usp to check those boys out and uh subscribe 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 to the podcast leave those five star ratings and reviews let us know how you feel about these union kits. how you feel about the Sixers and Flyers right now. You know, are you excited Dede Gregorius is back? Anything and everything that pertains to Philly sports, leave it in your podcast review. We'll read them on the show, and it really helps us out in the long run too with, you know, people finding the show. The more five-star ratings and reviews, the better. So be a friend, tell a friend, and leave a five-star review On our Apple Podcast feed, you can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadioRadio.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And uh, we'll be back later this week. Super Bowl preview, we will also have the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame fan ballots. I know I tweeted it yesterday, but they'll be coming out tomorrow or as you're listening to this today on Thursday. So you guys can vote. A lot more cut and dry this year just because, you know, the COVID situation didn't really present a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, for big-time events and things to happen like that. But we'll announce the winners and inductees next Wednesday, so we'll give you guys a lot of time to vote on those. And the um, show also would not be possible without our amazing sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Dusharms Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie, Incorporated, Bob Novick, Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, Tomahawk Shades, TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP, gets you 25% off your order. And right now, free domestic shipping on all orders. Manscaped.com, promo code USP, gets you 20% off. Free shipping, and allegedly, from what I've been told, a big old thank you from your balls manscape.com promo code usp for 20% off and free shipping and statesidevodka.com promo code usp gets you 10% off the one liter vodka bottles at statesidevodka.com must be 21 or older to purchase and of course please drink responsibly any final thoughts matt no
1: that's that's it no thoughts that's business
0: baby uh this has been underground sports Philadelphia episode number 302 for Matt I'm KB we are signing off peace